Really excited that you guys are here. Uh, I, I'm just, uh, man, it's just amazing, amazing, amazing thing to celebrate with you guys. So thank you all so much. Uh, one of the things that we are celebrating here at Kesset is a lot of change, a lot of stuff happening. And uh, if you haven't caught up, go to kessetdowntown.com and it'll share with you kind of all that's been happening over the last six months. But we are in transition from this building to a building downtown to a whole new location. And uh, we want to do a really good job of celebrating that and also communicating to you guys. So about once a month or so, our executive pastor, Tom Lovelace, who is really leading and driving a lot of that organization, uh, is going to be sharing with you guys and updating you on all that's happening. So I'm going to just uh, turn this over to uh, Tom, who wants to share with you guys. So can you just give him a hand? Thank you. I'm still a little disappointed they didn't let us dance. Uh, as part of the team. Uh, I thought we should have danced, but that's yeah, just me. It out, but they wouldn't let us, so. It, no, no, you don't want to see it. No. You can solo, that's fine. No, 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 no. Well, listen, good morning. It's great to be with you guys this morning. Um, just a uh, happy anniversary to Kesset Church. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just want to tell you, Danny, you know, we've been apart like Dave for about two years here at Kesset. My kids are here, my grandkids are here, and it's just been a really uh, big blessing in our family to be here. We're just, uh, we're happy to be with you, with all of you, and it's just awesome. So this morning, my, my uh, grandson comes in at the 9 o'clock service with his, with his mom and dad and says, Happy birthday, church! <laughs> you know? He just knew he was getting cupcakes later, so his, he was pretty excited. Okay, uh, for the month of September, uh, since last time I was up here with you, uh, we talked about what we were raising and what was monthly givings, et cetera. And I want to report joyfully that in the month of September, we had $25,000 of that money come in, which is great and fantastic. It's right on track with what we were planning. So let's give God the glory for that. So I believe we're on track for that goal at the end of the year to, uh, to, to make our goals. So uh, thank you for your faithful giving. Uh, really cool about that. A lot of times when you do building programs or uh, special fundraisers, your tithing and offerings go down. Uh, I'm happy to report that uh, in September we met and exceeded our income budget again. And this is actually, uh, Danny, for two straight years now, we've met our budget every single month for two years. Yeah. So again, thank you for your faithfulness. Some people ask, you know, what are we spending the money on right now that comes in? We're spending that on architects, on engineers, on all the kind of things that happen behind the scenes to get ready to be able to submit to the city. So that's what we're spending money on. For some reason, they'd like to get paid within 30 days. And so we're trying to, we're trying to honor that. So uh, that's, what, that, that's where the money's going for right now. Um, the plans, the drawings are about 60% complete, which again is right on track for, uh, for what we've planned for the rest of the year. Uh, just to give you an idea, the stage of that is like we're, we're talking about we have 30,000 square feet to plan. So we're talking about, does the door belong there? What kind of lighting are we gonna have here? We're at that stage, and so uh, be praying for us uh, during, that, during this part. Uh, on top of that, we formed an advisory committee led by one of our elders, uh, Dean Jenks. Dean, raise your hand. Uh, he's got about five or six people as part of this committee to be an extra set of eyes for us and to advise us on things and hold us accountable. So we're, we're thankful for Dean and your team there. Um, things to pray about. Uh, pray for favor with the city. Uh, pray that they just like us, if nothing else. Just <laughs> Sometimes that helps. So uh, pray for favor, for timing of permitting, things like that. 
Uh, pray that uh, right now the economy is really strong, and so contractors are really busy, which means their prices are pretty high. So just pray that we have favor with contractors too. And then lastly, our loan. Uh, we're working with a couple different outfits for a loan uh, for next year. Um, and so pray for favor, low interest rates, things like that. So those are some things to be praying about. Um, we had about 200 people sign up for prayer mm -hmm. on the cards. Mm -hmm. And if you did not get the email out yesterday, please let us know. We'll put you on the list. Uh, those are for people who are praying for us. Uh, we give them kind of a, a sneak peek of things that happen. So uh, you want to be on that list for sure. Um, lastly, uh, if you remember right, um, we rent this space. We also rent our offices, which the lease runs through February of next year. And uh, we moved over about half the team to the building, to the church, about uh, six weeks ago. And we left the rest of the team there at the, at the ministry center. Uh, back on the 25th, we said, listen, let's just move everybody over. We'll put, we'll put people in closets. We'll put Dave in the baptistry. We'll, we'll just we'll make it work. So that was on the 25th. We made the decision to move on the 13th and 14th of this month, move over to the church. And we just figured, you know, God will take care of it. We'll either pay the rent to, to February or something will happen. Two days later, I kid you not, two days later, we get a call from the landlord saying, I have a tenant to lease your space. Can you be out by the 15th? Wow. <laughs> so God is just answering prayers left and right. We feel that we're, we're in his will. We, we feel like we're doing the right things. He's honoring us. So it's just uh, it's exciting times, Danny. It is. Yeah, it really is. I want to take a minute, too, and really, and really honor uh, Pastor Tom. His wife, Lisa, too. I don't know if she's here. She might still be serving at the other campus. Um, these guys have really taken this on, and I, I, I got to tell you, this organizational leadership that they bring is um, really, really special. So uh, God has just brought all the tools and all the pieces together, and uh, you guys are a big part of that. I was mind blown that uh, our general offerings didn't just plummet when everybody was excited about giving to the building. That takes intentionality. That's people who've sat down and said, listen, we're going to be a part of this and still maintain this. And uh, it's changed everything for the, uh, the way that we're able to reach the community and, and prepare a building to be downtown and be home and be together. So really exciting, huge thing to celebrate. So we thought we'd put it right at the top. And uh, um, I'm, just, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just blessed. So uh, can we just thank Tom? And, uh, and uh, it's just wonderful. Um, I want to I wanna take a moment, and I'm just going to pray for us, uh, just because today's service, I, I, I walked in today's service with knowing that I could do one of two things. I could lean into the artist in me and just pack our service full of, of, of elements of expression, right? I, I love the dance, right? I just, I, Tom was joking about us dancing up here because that wouldn't go well, but, but I, do, I do participate in my heart, right? I do participate in my soul. I love the music. I, 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 just, I just could sit in a room for 90 minutes and just, just create things to give back to God. And, and for some of us, you would love that. But for some others, you'd be like, but aren't we here to study the word and celebrate God through his word? And, and you're right. And so I really wanted to prepare something that uh, was specific and, and whole and met all those things. And so that's about what we're going to do. Uh, but for that to happen, I need to pray. I need to pray because uh, I, am, I, am just, I am just so excited to, uh, to be a part of this with you guys and to share these different things that are happening and to share what, what God gave uh, me gave our church that we're gonna that we're really gonna hold up high uh, over this next season, which is part of uh, what I'm gonna be giving you here in just a moment. So will you just just kind of be fully present? 
Just walk in the room with your whole self and uh, just take a moment and just ask God, Lord, what is it that you want to accomplish today? We're here to celebrate you. You've been doing this for eight years with us. You've been doing it for thousands of years before us, and you'll do it after us. God, we want to be fully available to receive whatever it is you want us to see, to receive whatever it is you want us to take in. We ask, God, that all, as always, while we're wrestling with uh, raising our celebration to you, that you in turn would uh, speak into our hearts about the things that you know are uh, keeping us from full dance, from full song, from a, a life fully lived. I ask, Lord, that you would just use this moment and use this time to just to, to take us to a deep place, to take us to a, a real place, and to allow us to experience something more than just what we can see with our eyes or hear with our ears. Thank you, God, for every person in this room. You brought them today, and you're going to meet them today. And we're here to celebrate that today. We lift it all up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So being as excited as I am, I started thinking, okay, I'm going to have to follow some of my own principles, and I live my life based on Scripture and Spirit. Those are my two things. I, I just really believe that sometimes you just got to feel it, and sometimes even when you feel it, you got to go down and really set it within Scripture for it to really become what it's supposed to. And so I did that. Being as excited as I was and knowing I wanted to fill the stage with, with all kinds of elements, I thought, okay, what are we going to bring from the Word that's going to truly impact people, allow them to leave with something different? And so going to Scripture, I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll start with uh, looking towards someone in Scripture who's as excited as I am. And this is a principle you can do a lot, actually, in Scripture. You can, if you're in a low place, you can turn to Scripture, find someone in Scripture who's low like you are, and then see how they responded. And if what they did worked out for them, if God honored what they did, then you could lean into it. Let's say, but what if what they did did not work out for them? They turned to some kind of vice or, or turned, you know, became a person that, that wasn't holy and living their life as God wanted. Then you could lean away from those people. But excitable is kind of a hard thing to just go find. So I thought, well, what are you excited about? Well, I'm excited to tell people about Jesus. I'm excited to tell people about the life change that he's made in my life and your life. I'm excited to tell them about this church that he's built and that he is our senior pastor and that he's going to continue to guide us. And I'm just, I'm overflowing with excitement. And I'm thinking, I know what I'll do. I'll get a bear on a unicycle and he'll wheel in, right? And, and I just, I mean, that's where my mind goes. And I'm like, can we drop balloons from anywhere in the building, anywhere? And, you know, and I just, and, and, and I started thinking, okay, okay, there's got to be someone in the Bible who's as excited as I am. And I was reading through it, and I came to a place, and I realized there certainly is, and his name's John the Baptist. John the Baptist had an epic ministry. I mean, I've never thought about this till this week when I started thinking about John's ministry through that kind of excitement of, of celebrating that he was the one who came to prepare the way for Jesus. But his ministry was so epic, and his preaching was so good that people confused him for the Messiah. That has never happened to me. Like... <laughs> I have never got off stage and people are like, listen, that was a great sermon. Are you sure, are you sure you're not the savior of the world? Like no one's ever said that to me. And yet John got it all the time. It was actually his greatest ministry issue. Like if there was a whiteboard, John would be like, okay, how do we get people to stop thinking I'm the savior of the world? Like how do we strategize around this? How do we let them know I'm just a normal mere man? That's the kind of stuff John dealt with. And part of that was because his preaching was so clearly prophetic in that it was celebrating the coming of the one who would change everything. He changed uh, time. 
Our calendars were changed through Jesus who John the Baptist prepared. It would change the covenant that God had with man from old to new through the introduction of Jesus. It, everything about what John was introducing was new. And you know he was brimming with like, you don't understand. Someone's coming who's going to change it all. And I'm here to tell you about it. So it says one day John's baptizing, doing church. Right? We always think of church like this. John was doing church, epic church, in a whole different way next to a river, doing church. Next thing you know, Jesus comes over the hillside. Now, I think we blow through things like this because I'm going to read you a verse and you're going to skip right to the end. When in reality, you've got to think for a second. When John's preaching or baptizing or sharing or doing what he's doing, talking always at the end of his sermon with, but there's one who's coming, but there's one who's coming. One day he walks over the hillside. John maybe looks up, sees the silhouette of him walking, realizes who it is. What does he do then? Like, did he stop mid-sentence? Did he not finish his illustration? And then the vine dresser said, and everyone's like, what did the vine dresser say? John, was he baptizing somebody and he just forgot? Like, oh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know, right? Stop judging. You have no idea what John was doing, right? But the, whatever he was doing, it, was, it, it changed when Jesus came over. And then he, like the first man who lands on the moon, has to say something. John's been prophesied about for, for he knows that he's the one. He has to say something like, all right, this is it. I'm about to introduce him. I'm about to tell people he's here. What's he do? I would have created a whole new word, like, hoorah! <laughs> like, forever, people would have been like, hoorah, and it would have been like, yeah, it means, here he is, really, in a really exclamatory way, and that's, it's Hebrew for, I would have created something completely new. I know me, I would have planned on it. This is why I'm not John the Baptist, nor am I ever confused for the Savior of the world. But John, John didn't wrestle with that. John leaned right into Scripture and into the words that were used before to describe him who was coming. John chapter 1, verse 29, this is what he says. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was his one small step speech. <laughs> and he starts off with the word, Behold. Now I'm pretty excited. And I must admit I'm not as excited as John probably was. And so I wanted to lean into this word, Behold, to figure out just why that was the word that he used. The word means to see, to view, to face, to look at, to regard, to watch, to consider, to observe intensely, to see with your mind, to look with attention and earnestness and accuracy. To behold is a, is a very strong biblical word and has a very strong biblical history. But to many of us in the room, it's probably fairly, fairly archaic. We don't use it in everyday language, although I think we should. Walk into Starbucks. Behold. I'll have a tall pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> or not. <laughs> we don't use it in everyday language because actually it's kind of been removed. The authorized King James Version, the original King James Version, uses it 1,326 times. The Amplified Bible uses it 1,058 times. The New King James Version uses it 593 times. And the more recent NIV Version uses it six. We don't use it very often. And yet it's a really specific word for a very specific purpose. Here's a couple of the reasons biblically that authors of old have used the word behold. First, Behold is a word that brings choice. 
When someone says, behold, you then at that moment have a decision to look or not look, to choose or not choose. Isaiah 43, 19, prophesying about John, actually, and the one he would introduce says, behold, God speaking through him, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? There's a question mark inside the behold. If I will make a way in the wilderness, leaning into John, and rivers in the desert, leaning into the river of life that Jesus was that John proclaimed. The question is, I am doing this thing. Behold what I am doing. Do you not see it? Which means, and, and really leans into this reality, that you can choose not to behold what others are beholding. Meaning, most likely, John and his followers, as they saw Jesus and John beholded God and proclaimed him here and present, some people went, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I know him. He's from Nazareth. And his disciples, mid-grade at best. I don't think that's what I'm going to behold. You're trying to tell me you, the the man who lives in the desert, who appears to be a certain way, you're saying this average-looking person with these average-looking people is the Messiah? I choose no. You have to choose to behold. It's a choice. Every person in this room, every time you go to church, or frankly, every time the Spirit of God prompts you, asks you to make that choice, to behold the Messiah, to behold the coming Christ, to behold salvation's story, to behold, to behold, to behold. Every single time that you or I say, no, nah, I don't think so, you know what I'm going to behold? Myself. I'm going to behold myself. I'm going to lean into my own understanding. I'm going to make me the center of this world, the center of this universe. I'm going to behold me, and I'm going to ask that the rest of the world beholds me as well. When we live this way, we choose not to behold God. Because behold demands choice. Behold is also a word that brings responsibility. Deep and rich responsibility. When Jesus Uh, At the end of the three years after John had announced him and his ministry had been established, Jesus, of course, gets turned over by the Jews of his days, by the pastors and preachers of his day. And they take him to Pilate, the reigning Roman leader of the time, because it's illegal for them to do what they know he will do if they make enough fuss. And so they give Jesus to him, and Pilate says, I don't really want to have anything to do with this. I don't want to be responsible for this. And they say, well, we don't want to be responsible for it either because it's Passover. And he says, but I don't want to be responsible. I'm not even Jewish. And they're like, but, but we don't want to be responsible because there's a crowd that's with him. And, and if you don't do it, the crowd's going to turn on us and then eventually turn on you. And the politics of his day begin to swirl in his mind. So he says, how about this? How about this? I'll have him flogged beyond recognition. And then what we'll do is we'll, we'll give him back out to the people, showing that we, were, we dealt with their concerns and their issues. And he does just that. And then he takes Jesus out before them, John chapter 19, verse 5. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe that they had put on his beaten body. And Pilate said to them, behold the man. He says, you're responsible for this. This is what you wanted me to do. To hurt the man, to break the, 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 the body, the bread, to pour the blood, the wine, This is your responsibility to break community with he who came to bring communion. Not me. But it's not enough. They've chose with their responsibility and beholding the man to do more. And so eventually they scream, crucify, crucify, crucify. 
Just a few verses later in verse 14. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews as he presented Jesus for crucifixion, Behold your king. You are responsible. So often in time, we as Christians blame our our sinful situation on a sinful world or on the internet or on too much of this or too much of that or this political culture or the pressure that, frankly, Jesus just doesn't really fit in my life anymore. He certainly doesn't fit in my, in my courtroom and he definitely doesn't fit at work and he doesn't fit in my relationship and my, my, my family doesn't want anything to do with him. And frankly, I don't want to be responsible for this. Okay, I mean, I get it. You love Jesus. I'm at church. I'm doing the best I can, but I, I, I don't want to be responsible. And yet, When we behold the man and the sacrifice his body went through, we are responsible. And then when we look at the responsibility and realize that it has come because of our poor earlier choices when we were first asked to behold him and we chose ourselves, suddenly we realize we didn't just beat the body, we beat upon the king. The one who came with the authority to forgive, to restore, to relate to bring into harmony the chaos that is the cacophony of my heart. This, (laughs) this is what Jesus is doing when he's standing before this crowd under his own authority, friends. Not because Pilate or the Jewish people or anybody else, because he was willing to stand there, both man and king, and be beheld by you so you could feel the responsibility of your life. You hear song after song of I drove the nails and I I did this. But have you ever really owned the reality that you are never going to figure this out without him? Ever. All you'll do is get more polished and shiny. That's all you'll do. And on the inside, you will rust like every human being before you. You must choose to follow Jesus. And you must be responsible every time you turn away. Because it's only in that place that then you can see the truth. Behold is a word that brings truth. Once you see Jesus this way, once you have beheld him this way, you don't need anyone else to explain who he is. This is why my role in church should be diminished in your life every single year that you grow in Christ. Every year. Because the closer you get to Christ, the closer you become with his scripture and with his spirit and the more reliant upon him and his story and what he's doing with you. John 4, 41 and 42 says, And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. When you choose to follow Jesus and you're responsible for your own life that is broken as all of ours are, then you can see the truth that he has come, man and king, to save every part of you. This is the gospel lived out and so seen. And in part, this very reason is why so many people suffer from spiritual blindness, because they really don't behold Christ. They don't take the time. They choose to walk away, they choose to not be responsible, or they choose to fill their lives with deceit and brokenness, and so not see truth. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And we all, all of us in this room, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Hear this. And you won't if you don't do what I said earlier in the service, which is to be present within yourself and really hear this. Beholding is three things. It's first causing you to make a choice. You're about to make one, whether you know it or not. And I'm just fine with that. Second, it's causing you to be responsible. You're about to consider what it is you bring to the table in this next part of this discussion. And lastly, you're about to receive it as truth or convince yourself that you don't have to. But here's the reality of this verse right here. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, we all with unveiled face get to experience the glory of the Lord. When we do this, this verse says that when we behold God's glory by the Spirit, we are changed to be more like Him or transformed into His image. We grow and are transformed from one degree to another. This is the base level idea behind us growing to look more and more like Jesus that's preached in churches all across and Bible studies and, and conversations all across this world. But people often don't realize it starts with beholding. When you behold God, you behold your own life. That's exactly what Rodney Fratz has said. We behold the ways of God, then behold our own lives. So we look at God and then we look at our own lives. As a result of that beholding, we seek to align ourselves more and more with that which we are beholding. When you see Jesus and you choose to follow him and you choose to then see your own self as responsible and so choose to accept the truth that you need saving from your sins and transform from this life that you currently live into something that only he can transform you in, then and only then do you begin to live as a transformed person through the story and the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it all has to start with beholding. It all has to begin with listening together to this one sound, this one voice, this one king and man and scripture and spirit who proclaims that I'm worthy of your praise, I am worthy of your celebration, and I am worthy of all that you are afraid that will be left if you give up what you used to be to become what I call you new to be today. This is how it works. This is how it's always worked. Tozer described it this way. This is what he said. Listen carefully. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So, 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. <laughs> so in essence, we as a church get in the same room and I go, I want to be a better pastor, a better husband, a better teacher, a better leader, a better speaker. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better all-around version of me. So I look at another person's life and I say, here's the things I see that I can help you with. And you look at my life and say, I want to be a better this, a better that, a better this, a better that. And so I want to do that too. And then we try our hardest, my wife and I are a great example, to come together in some sort of unity and some sort of collaboration that is our marriage, that is our parenting, that is our friendship. 
that is our, our, our pastor church member relationship, that is, our, that is our, our, our acquaintances or coworkers, whatever it is, we work towards trying to come into tune with one another like a room full of pianos with everybody deciding together what the key of D actually is. So someone comes and says, listen, I have been playing the key of D with this finger for like 45 years. So I should certainly be the standard setter for what the key of D is. Do, do, do. Someone else says, that's fine, but your piano's garbage. And so is your life. Just kidding. That's not, that's not appropriate at all. But the piano's garbage, right? In a sense, right? My piano, the most expensive piano ever made. It's the most expensive piano ever made. There has never been a piano made better to play the key of D. And someone else says, well, that's great, but your piano that's in the key of D is in a terrible room. My piano's mid-grade, but it's in the best acoustically engineered room in the planet. Someone else says, yeah, but you guys play with intent. You're all professionals. I play out of the desire to be an artist, out of my own naiveness, right? Someone else says, yeah, that's garbage, right? I play the best because I'm a man. (laughs) Yeah, guys in the room like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm going to listen to him. Right? Someone else says, exactly, that's your problem. I play the best because I'm a woman. A child walks up and says, I'm the only innocent one in the room. An old person walks up and says, yeah, but the reality is you all think you know what the key of D is, but I've lived it. We all get around the room trying to come together, all with the same purpose of discovering this great magical key together. Jesus walks in the room as the great cosmic tuning fork and says, nah, listen to this. And everybody goes, And because he is the great standard bearer of purpose and truth and righteousness, everybody naturally comes into sync with one another. And to use the word I used earlier, the cacophony of all your choices, the cacophony or distraction of of all the things in your life that you think you do that bring benefit to you, when brought into truth with Jesus, instead get transformed from that to the very opposite, which is the word harmony. And so in one harmony, one voice, we become one people who are measured by one God and live for one truth that all starts with first proclaiming like John did, behold, it is he. If my wife and I could behold God, we'd have the best marriage you could ever have because the more I become like Christ, the better husband I be. The more she becomes like Christ, the better wife she is. The more I become like Christ, the better dad I am, the better friend I am, the better I am in my checkbook, the better preacher I am. Everything about me becomes better because God is the great orchestra conductor of harmony that he wants to bring into the world that we threw off when we first said, like Adam and Eve, we got this. Tick, 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 tick. Listen to me. And all creation went, oh, what was that? And then he said, no, that's good. That's what good sounds like. And someone said, okay, well, I can do that then. No, no, I'm the, I'm the designer of good. No, if you can design it, I can design it. And we're back to 100 pianos in a room all trying to decide who's in charge. Jesus comes and changes it all. He wants to change your all. That's all. He only has one purpose. That's to change everything about you. And it's the best of you that he improves, and it's the worst of you he removes. And he does it all through being beheld by you, by your heart, by your life. If we could do this, it would change everything. In the end, you're going to have to make a decision, I told you a minute ago, to be a part of this harmony or not. Because in the end, this is exactly what God will do. For he will complete the prophecy he said in Isaiah, for he repeats it in Revelation 21.5. And he who is now seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all 
things new. He is bringing all things into harmony. This is the what and why of our celebration today. This is why we exist, so that we can bring into harmony ourselves, our relationships, our church, our community, all through the beholding of God, who we celebrate through pure excitement, dance, worship, song, preaching, reflection, prayer, whatever it is that you do that gives you connection with God. That's what we celebrate. And that's what we're going to focus on for the next season of ministry here. Beholding. He who has come to make all things new, who is worthy of our praise. If we can do that, we can be a church that asks better questions. When we planted this church eight years ago, I asked questions like, I wonder how I'm going to get a soundboard. I wonder who's going to buy those chairs. Chairs when we bought were $12,000. I remember we about died. Then we got Clark and they didn't need chairs. And I was like, well, that stinks. So we're using them at the ministry, ministry center downstairs. I remember asking, how am I going to feed my family? How am, what am I going to do with these people who sacrificed their lives and quit their jobs to come and be a part? How do I honor these people that set everything up and tear everything down? Who is going to make that U-Haul run? Boy, do we need a trailer. I wonder if this place at the city will rent to us. I wonder if my marriage will survive this. <laughs> now, eight years later, I'm asking questions like, I wonder how we can honor all the people downtown that we're about to invade with God's love. <laughs> I, wonder, uh, I wonder how growing will change who we are and if we'll start to walk around with a little bit of a chip on our shoulder because we're not set up and tired on anymore. And how do I make sure that doesn't happen? I wonder who God's going to bring next that he's going to reveal their calling to and their purpose to inside this building, inside this room. I wonder who God's going to bless next. I wonder who God's going to reveal himself to next. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Now today I wonder what is our church going to look like eight years from now? Asking these kinds of questions. For today is the day God has revealed himself to you. You are beholding his presence in this room, in your heart right now. And it's your decision to choose to follow to be responsible for yourself inside his church and own the things that he's wanting to work you through. And in the end, to accept the truth that Jesus Christ wants to use you, even if you don't know why. Today's the day to simply observe that you have a whole lot of life left to live in a church that's really, really, really excited to proclaim him who is worthy. I want to show you a video. Bless my life. I hope it blesses yours, and then I'll come back up and lead us into a really simple time of reflection and worship. Enjoy. There comes a point in time when we realize we don't have all the answers. Merely observations, <laughs> and even those are off. 
time seems to move faster and faster the older you get. And we become adults long before we ever feel like one. Eventually, we become the parents we used to rebel against. And we notice that kids definitely have something figured out. We just can't seem to remember what it is. How it felt to be helpless. And why it was so important to play. Truth is, we will never be as young as we are right now. So maybe now is a good time. A good time to create, to explore, to spend time with our parents, and to make the most of the cards we're dealt. Life has its moments and lessons to be learned. Travel while you can. Stay young at heart. And appreciate those around you. That's a life unimaginable. And yet I believe that for many of you in the room, God is just wondering why you're not beholding him and living it starting today. The stuff that's keeping you distracted, the stuff that's keeping you down, the things that are keeping you trapped in your same cycle, the shame, the, the, the broken inside self-talk, all that stuff, none of that's of God. None of that's of his truth. He came to refresh you, to renew you, to restore you. And it's time that you live the life you were built to live. It's time that you do this, not just for you, but for the people around you that God wants to use you to influence. It's time that you live a life of praise and purpose. It's time that you stop with the games and the politics, that you choose God, that you're responsible for the decisions you've made and the own responsibility to ask for forgiveness for them. And so live in the truth of beholding Him presented himself to you this morning. And so my question right now as I have you all stand up is what are you waiting for? Where are you supposed to be? How are you supposed to live? And what does it mean for you to proclaim to God's 